Welcome and good afternoon. I want to welcome you to Faith FM. My name is Danny Malenkov and this is Looking Up for another afternoon on this absolutely fantastic and just delicious Wednesday afternoon delicious, here. Delicious, no less. Oh, absolutely. It really is. It's like about 24, 25 degrees, perfect temperature. It's really heavenly temperature. You can't, you can't get better than this. What's your, what do you reckon? Well, it may be a slice, a segment, a, a short, a little fraction <laughs> of, what, of what heaven has in store. 0.001% of what heaven's going to be like. And, um, but even so, it's really good where we are here in Wells End, Lake Macquarie. And I'm here with my good friend, Watsy. I'll call him Watsy, but his name is Peter Watts. And I'm Danny Malenkov. And we are just so excited to be with you here on another afternoon of digging into the Bible, in particular, digging into Bible prophecy. And in particular, looking at the significance of prophecy as it relates to current world events and what's going on around us. And um, as you and I have been just chatting once again, it's been a week since we bumped into each other last time, same place, same time. And so much has happened in this week, Peter. It really has. It's, uh, you know, like we said before, uh, there used to be a time when I would make lists of various signs of the times that were occurring in various places in the world. But uh, uh, these days, it's more, you know, it's just one news bulletin will uh, will we'll have, you know, half a dozen signs of the times in it. And so people are concerned, and that's one of the reasons we make the show, is we're not uh, wanting to share things from Scripture to try to frighten people. In fact, uh, the opposite is true. It's um, the Bible, um, God shares these things with us so that he can um, encourage us to know that he knows where we live. He knows what conditions will prevail just before Jesus returns. And, of course, he wants to share with us the blessed hope that God is going to make all things right. He is going to fix all the ills in the world and uh, all the pain, the suffering, the disease and and everything else. God will bring all of that to a close and uh, he wants to bring us home to heaven. And so, yeah, we're going to talk some more about those things. Indeed we are. And that's the reason why we call our show Looking Up, based on the words of Jesus there in Luke 21, where Jesus said, when you see all these things come to pass, the things that we are seeing right now before our very eyes, he says, look up, because your redemption or your deliverance is drawing near. Mm. So that is what we are excited about, that Jesus is coming soon. And as Peter rightly pointed out, soon there will be an end to this very dark tunnel that we've been in for the last 6,000 years. And so uh, sit back and enjoy this program. It's going to be another wonderful program on Bible prophecy. Um, But after the break, there's going to be a little, there's going to be a song that we're about to tune into, the Homeland Singers. And after that, we're going to come back and we're going to unpack what's been happening in the world this week. Blood of the Lamb Do you rest each moment in the cruise? 
crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed? Welcome back. And uh, that's a very important question. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And I pray that that will be your experience, for that is what matters most at the end of the day, that our sins have been cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus. And so he is the one that provides salvation for us. And as we've said over and over again, although we are looking at current events in the light of Bible prophecy, uh, Knowing these things will not save anybody. Mm. Uh, the Bible's very clear on that. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And you can read about that um, in John chapter 17 and verse 3, I believe. Is that correct? Is that correct, Peter? Well, I think it's John 17. You check 3. that out before you put the, the reference on. <laughs> anyway, that's the true scripture. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's, so that's the most important thing. Now, uh, Peter, you've got your hand up, mate. I've got my hand. Well, I was just going to say, I was saying, uh, the, our listeners, we just want to welcome all those who are listening in to our program looking up this afternoon on Faith FM. And uh, you may be wondering what this series is really all about. Well, you can actually listen to former episodes, um, podcasts, and you'll be able to catch this one again on podcast after this live presentation. But if you go to the uh, website faithfm.com.au, uh, and go to the podcasts tab. You will find our show looking up with Danny Melenkov and Peter Watts, and you will be able to replay and review and share uh, other meeting or other uh, episodes that we have um, put together because we've been looking at this for a few months now, Danny. Not a few weeks, but a few months. And so uh, if people want to check those out, that's where you'll be able to find it and also be able to find a copy of this program uh, once it is over. Also, if you want to interact with us and you want to send in a, um, a question or a comment, you can do so by calling 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-324-843. Or you can text on 0491-064-669. That is 0491-064-669. Thank you so much, Peter. And it is John 17.3. Um, so I'm glad you got that right. Uh, it's it's, a, it's one of my favourite scriptures. It's a powerful a powerful promise from Jesus. Now this afternoon, um, just to give you a heads up on where we'll be going, not right now, but in a little bit. Uh, this afternoon, we are going to be taking a look at the second half 
of our discussion from last week. Um, now, last week we looked at the historicity of Jesus, the evidence of Jesus, and Peter's going to share a little more on that as we springboard into our into our session for today. And this afternoon we're going to be taking a look at an incredible Bible prophecy in the book of Daniel. Mm. And um, and this prophecy is so significant, it's, it's, it's so huge that there has been placed a curse yeah. upon those um, who are willing um, or, or, or who are even thinking of examining this prophecy and taking a look at the evidence. This is a huge prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so um, you want to be tuning in for that, and we're going to be dealing with that in just a little bit. But firstly, as always, we want to take a look at um, what's been going on in the world um, this past week. Uh, we do a bit of a uh, week in review when it comes to some of the uh, important news items that uh, connect us with Bible prophecy. That's what we're looking at. So mm-hmm. we're not just looking at any old news. Sure. We're specifically taking a look at news that's associated with Bible prophecy. So, Peter, over to you first. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that we began this um radio show uh, looking up basically because the world had changed dramatically because of the pandemic in the last six months and uh, even a little before that. But, um, you know, people were wondering, does this mean anything? You know, is the, are the dramatic changes we're seeing uh, telling us something? Does the Bible have anything mm. to say about such things? And we took uh, some programs to look at the signs of the times. We took some programs to look at the health implications, the financial implications of COVID-19, and we saw that the scripture does actually talk about such things. It talks about pestilences. It talks about uh, the um, some health principles that would actually help us in a pandemic in terms of uh, boosting our immune system and so forth and, uh, you know, a healthy way to live. And you would think that if God really did create human beings, that he would have some idea about how we best function. And so we talked a little bit about that. We also talked about the financial crisis that's coming upon the world from a biblical perspective, where uh, such great riches come to nothing. Uh, The Bible talks about that in the book of Revelation. And so we've been looking at that from that perspective. Now, as far as the pandemic's concerned at the moment, in the news this week, we've had... um, the USA just passed the 200,000 death mark, uh, 200,000 deaths in America from the pandemic, which is a huge number and is, of course, the leader, world leader in terms of the number of coronavirus deaths. Uh, so that's a significant milestone at the moment. Uh, as far as Australia is concerned, actually, uh, the, the lockdown measures, particularly that they've taken out in Victoria, uh, seem to have uh, been effective in dampening down the number of cases. The, the number of cases in uh, New South Wales is you know, quite small, um, and so it seems to be coming more under control. But then the challenge is, what do you do next? Because we're looking at Europe, we're looking at the United Kingdom. Uh, I think they're going through a bit of a second wave. They, well, You're part of the world Might in even particular. be called a third wave, because oh, wow. you know, what they have is they were able to, uh, through the lockdown, bring some, uh, some of the numbers under control. Of course, I have family in the UK, and I talk to them on a weekly basis about um, what they're experiencing in terms of the lockdown and so forth. Um, and so what you're finding there is, you know, the, there's, there's, uh, the cases are multiplying and they're now saying we're going to have to put the brake on and imply some restrictions. And so the real challenge here is you, you, you put in the restrictions, you bring the numbers down, 
And then, of course, numbers are so low, people say, well, we want to ease off on the restrictions. You know, we, we want our freedom back. We want to get back to some kind of normality. We want some kind of normality. And so then we ease off on the restrictions. Mm. And? And until you can get eradication, you know, that I guess there's... Uh, well, New Zealand thought they had arrived. It's, it's amazing. They had 100 days and all of a sudden... I know. It wasn't that amazing. So, it, it you know, we, came, we're looking at back. eradication, suppression... Or I guess what they call herd immunity, mm. where you just let it run and hope for the best, I suppose, mm. and, and hopefully... Hopefully people, somebody will survive at the end of the enough, day. Yeah, enough people yeah. at the end of it um, develop herd immunity. And mm. so uh, I think uh, there's a challenge to the world at the moment because the restrictions are imposed to keep the virus at bay. But in doing that, of course, you're impinging on people's freedom. People are getting frustrated because they're going through wave after wave of this and of course, it's crippling the economy. And it's interesting that you shared all those um, things because Jesus talked about that. He, he talked about uh, the day just before he comes will be filled with one of perplexity. Mm. That, that's what we're finding mm. in Luke 21. The word perplexity is used there. And if you take a look at the word perplexity in the dictionary, you'll discover it means, you know, confusion, um, not finding or not knowing any way out, you know, being mm. um, overwhelmed uh, yeah. by things that. You know, there's really no good answer for so. Um, looking for a solution. Yeah, looking for a solution. And I looked at um, and I looked at a couple of other things um, that Jesus said in Luke twenty one nine. He used the word commotions um, there to describe you know the state of the world before he comes commotions. And I looked what up. What verse was that, Danny? Um, Luke twenty one. Luke twenty one verse nine. Luke twenty one verse nine. Twenty one verse nine. Yeah, where Jesus talks about. You know, there'll be mm. wars and rumours of wars and so forth and um, and commotions. Do you have it there? Or, yeah, um, I do. I'm going to read it yeah, now. This is the New it. King James Version. Yep. And it's Luke 21, 9. It says, But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Okay. I think we can certainly see some of that. Um, you know, just in terms of the the warfare of the 20, 20th century. Uh, the very ne next verse says, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, mm. kingdom against kingdom. And then you have these other uh, signs that we have talked about before. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Yeah, so as we, as we mentioned um, on previous uh, occasions, these things have been taking place ever since Jesus shared these words mm. 2,000 years ago. But the significance of these words is that Jesus shared, like labor pains, yeah. uh, we can expect to see an intem in intensification. Greater intensity, and, greater frequency. Yeah, exactly. And so that's where we're looking at. Now, we talked a little bit about America. You talked about COVID there. And um, there's so much going on in America. Mm. Um, you know, people are aware of the fires and there's um, hurricanes. Let's, let's put that into context. There's a reason there's why. A, and that's where I'm going. To, yeah. yeah go. Why, why are we looking at America particularly? The reason why we're looking at America, and, and, and very interestingly, the reason why America is in the spotlight more and more, is that America is, I call it the epicenter of end-time Bible prophecy. Okay. That is where, that is where end-time prophecy, um, right, and I'm talking about right at the end, that's where it's going to explode from, and that's it's going to be worldwide. That's the trigger. Yeah, you, you call it the trigger, and rightly so. And we're going to be looking at that, I guess, in um, in some future programs, maybe unpacking a little bit more on well, that. We did a show on, on that subject where we were looking, uh, there were two great powers mentioned in Revelation 13, and we unpacked both of those. And so we did a program on that. But we will be going there again because at the moment 
we are um, basically looking at, we've been looking at the three angels' messages, and we've been looking at that first angel. And what we're trying to do at the moment is we're looking at the subject of the judgment, which we covered a couple of weeks ago. We're wanting to find out when the starting point of that is, and we're going to find out that today, in fact. Um, And then we're going to move on to the rest of that first angel, then the second angel and the third angel. And those, um, particularly the second and the third angel, um, help us to sort of have a little more focus on what's happening in the U.S., and how it affects God's people, that's the important thing, is how do, do events that are taking place there, how does the changing nature of the character of the United States, how does that fit into Bible prophecy? Mm. And we can uh, talk about that. Um, in so that's where, that's where we'll be going in, in, in the coming weeks. Um, now, bringing it a little bit closer to home, Peter, mm. um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Gary Ablett Sr., now, um, if you're listening in Victoria, that name is synonymous with, um, with AFL. AFL and those who are considered AFL legends. Um, Gary Ablett Sr. played for Geelong Football Club. I'm not sure if he played for any other clubs. In but, fact, um, his son plays for Geelong. He now. does, and he's Gary Ablett, yeah, junior. Yeah. And, um, so, and, he, and he's a great player also. Now, it's interesting, just this week, my cousin down in Melbourne, um, he sent through to me um, – uh, I guess I'm not sure what to call video it. Link, video link, video podcast, whatever yeah, you call guess. it, that um, Gary Ablett did. A vlog. Um, yeah, a vlog. <laughs> yes, a vlog indeed. A video log. And um, went for almost about half an hour. And um, and I, I found it interesting. The title um, of this vlog was "What's Really Going On and Who Is Behind It All." What's really going mm. on and who is behind it all? And uh, Gary. Ablett, um, he shares that um, you know he's been a Christian for just over thirty years now, and he was very sincere. Peter, I, I watched the whole thing through on Sunday as mm. I was taking the dog for a walk. Um, watched the whole thing, listened to what he was saying. He's very sincere, and uh, he says he's been studying end time Bible prophecy and he's concerned about not just his family and friends, but but everyone and anyone, you know, he said he doesn't normally do this. He doesn't normally, you know, go online and put out these vlogs. This is kind of something unique. Mm. But he was doing it because he's concerned about the salvation of those that, like I said, he not only cares about, uh, but everyone mm. who will be. And he, and he was talking about the coming of Jesus. He's talking about the rapture. Um, he's talking about the coming tribulation. He's talking about the Antichrist. He's sharing all this kind of information and material. And he's talking about this COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, this COVID issue is kind of like a little bit of a setup, and it's and it's setting the world up mm. for 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 what's on the horizon. So it was really interesting just I, to hear from him. Well, yeah, I I, I saw a little bit of it and I thought what was interesting is whilst you mightn't agree with every position he takes on biblical things and prophecy and, and all of those things I thought it was interesting like you say that there is an underlying concern there for people who may not know the Lord may not know the Bible uh, you know there's I suppose there's a position where some Christians might take well I have a relationship with God I read my Bible you know I'm engaged um, and, you know, we live in a free country, so, you know, let, live, live and let live. Um, but it seems, you know, he was uh, 
concerned to raise the warning for those yeah. who may not know. And that's basically what it was. It was um, yeah, giving the alert, giving everyone a heads up and saying, look, it's time to get your life right with the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. And and I guess we, we, are, we are of the same view. We, we want people to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Well, um, we're, we're about to come into summer and, you, you know, we regularly see on the side of the road the, the fire danger warning signs, mm. you know, and you've got from you know, moderate to high and extreme and then catastrophic. Yeah, that's just and been added after yeah, Black Saturday. That's right. And so the thing is we're in a position where we do, God wants us to know that's right. what's ahead of us. That's right. So that's where we're at, folk, and um, I'm glad you are joining us here this afternoon on Looking Up. We're now going to go to a song from John Owens, Be Glorified, the news after that, and then we're going to plunge into our study for this afternoon. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Has set me free and your life, the air I breathe, be glorified in me. Your love has captured me, your grace has set me free and your life the air I breathe be glorified in me you set my feet to dancing you set my heart on fire the prayers of a thousand kings you are my one desire Stand before you now with trembling hands lifted high. Whoa, be glorified. Your love has captured me, your grace has set me free, and your light. The air I breathe Be glorified in me You set my feet to dancing You set my heart on fire In the presence of a thousand kings You are my one desire I stand before you now With trembling hands lifted high Oh in me be glorified in me be glorified in me be glorified be glorified in me be glorified in me be glorified 
fight in me, yeah. You set my feet to dancing. You set my heart on fire. And the prince of a thousand kings, you are my one desire. I stand before you now with trembling hands lifted high, lifted high, yeah. You set my feet to dancing. Set my heart on fire in the presence of a thousand kings. You are my one desire. I stand before you now with trembling hands lifted high. Oh, be glorified. Be glorified. Yeah. Be glorified. Let your light shine down, let your light shine down on me, yeah. Be glorified. Welcome back to Looking Up, and you are with Danny and Peter this afternoon on our afternoon show. And today we are looking at an incredible Bible prophecy in the book of Daniel, one that will blow your socks off completely. So hopefully they're nice and securely fastened. We're going to have a wonderful time in God's Word together. Now, before we launch into our study for this afternoon, I just want to remind you that if you do have a comment or a question, one question did come through. Thank you to the gentleman that asked the question, and we will deal with that question at the very end in our question time um, in our final segment. So stay tuned, and we will deal with that. That was from Matthew 24. So we won't forget about that. There's a, a great question, and we will seek to give a good, solid biblical answer to that question. Now, if you would like to ask a question, you have a comment, feel free to call 1-800-324-843 or text us your question or comment on 0491 064 Now, Peter, could you fill us in on where we were last week? Because this really is a springboard. Um, Well, last week is a springboard to where we're going this afternoon. Yeah, so we have covered a number of topics. And then more recently, we had started to look at three messages in the book of Revelation called the Three Angels' Messages. And we looked at the first of that uh, Three Angels' Messages. And there's a phrase in there that says, the hour of his judgment has come. And we had talked about the, that topic in relation to justice and the fact that just about every news bulletin, every time you look up Facebook, somebody is calling for justice. And the Bible talks about the fact that God will ultimately bring justice. And there is a judgment uh, in heaven. There is a judgment that we read about in the Bible. Uh, and we've talked about that in a previous topic. When we looked at the judgment, we looked at Daniel chapter 7 and we noticed there was a very prominent passage there which describes this judgment in heaven, that the thrones were put in place, the Ancient of Days was seated, the Son of Man is brought before the Ancient of Days, it says the books, the, seat, uh, the court was seated and the books were opened. Uh, then it, it tells us too in uh, Daniel uh, 7.22, which is one of my favourite verses on that topic, that says a judgment was made in favour of the saints. Mm. And so we have a judgment scene there set in Daniel chapter 7. Then we came to Daniel chapter 8, 
And we looked at uh, the prophecy there where you have Medo-Persia referenced, you have Greece referenced, you have a power that comes after Greece that's greater than Greece uh, that we've identified as papal, uh, sorry, pagan and then papal Rome. And uh, then finally the question is asked, how long will the vision be? That vision that began with the Medo-Persia era, how long will that vision be? And it says, unto 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Now we've talked on this program before about the fact that in Bible prophecy many symbols are used, and that is also true of the numbers and the dates and the time periods that are used. And so when it says 2,300 days, uh, scholars have rightly recognized that these represent 2,300 literal years. And they actually, uh, it represents the longest time prophecy in the Bible. And so it says, That's how because long? a day represents a year That's in Bible because prophecy. because a day in Bible prophecy represents a year. So we've we got a couple this. of scriptures, Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 6, and Numbers 14, verse 34, if you want to look them up. Yeah, okay. So they, they help us to reference mm. that. But there are a number of other references in mm. scripture that help us understand that too. And so uh, Daniel chapter 7, we see that applied to the 1,260 uh, days or years or the time, times and a half. Um, the day-year principle is applied there. The day-year principle needs to be applied to Daniel chapter 8. And really the key to all of that is Daniel chapter 9. We're going to see in Daniel chapter 9 why the day-year principle is anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. And so what we, what we have done is we've looked at some of Daniel 7, we've looked at some of Daniel 8. We're now looking at Daniel 9 because Daniel 9 is the the key to give us the beginning point to this 2,300-day prophecy. Now, we already know from Daniel 8 that it begins in the Medo-Persian era, mm. right? We know that because it says, how long will the vision be? That's right, because it vision, starts in the, the Medo-Persian era. The vision starts with the, the, the Medo-Persian empire. So uh, we know that sometime during the Medo-Persian empire, uh, we have the beginnings of uh, this 2,300-day uh, period, but we don't have a fixed date. No, we don't. And we go to Daniel chapter 9 for that. And so what we were looking at last week, uh, because Daniel 9 is a specific messianic prophecy, last week we looked at some other. Do you want to explain messianic? messianic yeah. I will. So the, the word Messiah simply means the anointed one. Okay. So uh, the Messiah, it's a Hebrew term. The Greek word it would be familiar to people, which is Christos or Christ. Okay. And we would say the anointed God, one God's anointed, uh, God's chosen messenger, God's chosen prophet, God's chosen uh, representative, if mm. you like. Um, and Jesus, when he came, he was God come in the flesh, um, God become man. And so uh, what we had uh, last week is we unpacked a number of biblical passages from the Old Testament written before Jesus came that clearly identify some of the words, activities and actions that Jesus would participate in in his ministry. And it wasn't just from Scripture. We went to extra-biblical sources, so such as historical um, figures of the first century that also established the historicity of Jesus. That's right, because I think you know probably not too many people would know that Jesus is mentioned outside of the Bible uh, in those early times or, or that uh, the events surrounding his life and his death particularly mm. uh, are mentioned. People like Josephus, people like Tacitus, people like Pliny the Younger, uh, who, who talk about Christus or they talk about Christians, the followers of Christ and what their activities were. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, fascinating to be able to look at some of those extra-biblical sources, 
particularly because they are not written from a sympathetic point of view. They no. are written by people who have no time for Christianity, who just see it as a waste of time. They want to eliminate it, and they're describing certain things that are, that are actually affirm events, characters uh, of the New Testament surrounding the life and death of Jesus. Mm, that's, that's great. Thank you for that summary. So that's a really good summary. And if you want to... Um Learn more on what just if you want to review that, just simply go to our podcast, as Peter pointed out earlier, looking up at our website, faithfm.com.au. Go to the podcast there, looking up, and last week uh, you'll have that all there for you to access. Now, today we want to continue and we want to take a look at, um, yeah, this prophecy in Daniel 9, as Peter correctly pointed out, at the end of Daniel 8, and I'm just going to read Daniel 8, 27, at the very end of that chapter, um, Daniel writes, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days afterward. I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision but no one understood it. So he doesn't know uh, what this vision, well, when this vision begins. You know, when, when, will, uh, when will the cleansing of the sanctuary happen? It will happen at the end of 2,300 years, but when does that 2,300 years begin? He has no understanding. Yeah. And it's fascinating when he says there, um, I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Well, we can break it down because there are many aspects to that vision. There was the, the vision of the ram, and the Bible, the, the, the angel messenger clearly tells Daniel that that represents the kings of Medo Persia. Mm. Then there was the vision of the goat. And the, again, the messenger clearly tells Daniel that represents the kingdom of Greece. Then there was the vision of the little horn, which begins to uh, a power that comes after Greece and spreads terrestrially across the earth, okay, north, south, east, and west. And then it then begins to move celestially Mm. uh, and actually moves up it says it challenges even heaven itself Mm. and so this uh, power has been identified as rome first in its papal papal phase no pagan sorry pagan phase i'm so glad danny's here to uh, correct me uh, on the frequent times (laughs) that i get things wrong yes first the pagan roman empire that did spread across the face of the globe and then, of course, as it moved into a papal phase and began to challenge even heaven itself. And so those elements were described. Um, and, you know, it's not those things that Daniel didn't understand. It was the 2,300 days. And just, to, and just to add to that, in Daniel chapter 7, we have that very same sequence that you have pointed out. So it's very clear to Daniel that... This will be taking place. There will be a little horn power which will challenge, you know, the king of heaven. And then after that, the judgment. But there is no date in Daniel chapter 7. There are no numbers there apart from the 1260-year prophecy, which is in reference to to papal persecution, um, today known as the Dark Ages. Yeah. And so this 2,300-year prophecy is left in a vacuum without without a starting point. And so Daniel wants to know, and it's interesting in Daniel chapter 9, uh, we won't take the time to read these first verses, but uh, I'd encourage you to, to pull out your Bible if you are at home, to pull out your Bible and to, and to track with us this afternoon. If you're in the car, you may want to um, connect uh, later on through through, through going through this message um, on you know uh, on the on the podcast. However, at the beginning of Daniel chapter nine, uh, the Bible says Daniel's studying the books, uh, the book of Jeremiah, in order to in order to find out 
a little more about the the destruction and the desolation of Jerusalem and how long it would remain desolate because God had promised 70 years and that period is almost up. And Daniel Daniel's concerned because he doesn't see too much action on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, he, this is the time of the Medo-Persian Empire yep. now. So the Babylonians have been overthrown, yet yet God's people are still there in Babylon. And so Daniel begins to pray, and he prays this awesome prayer um, that you can continue to read where he confesses the sins of not only his people, but he confesses his sins. Mm. Um, and that, that, that to me is astounding, Peter, because um, you know God speaks of Daniel as my beloved. You know, he calls him my beloved. And in fact, here in the passage, if I remember correctly, um, it's somewhere here. Where is it, uh, Peter? Um, I can't. I can't quite. When Gabriel comes, and and he shares with verse um, twenty. Yeah, verse twenty. Maybe you let, want to pick me, it up. I'll pick it up. Pick it up from verse twenty yeah. and read over to verse twenty-three. All right. So Daniel has been in prayer to God. He's he's uh, asking God to forgive him and to forgive his people and to return them to Jerusalem. Daniel's in Babylon. Okay, and Babylon is now being held by the Medes and the Persians. Okay, and in verse 20 of Daniel chapter 9, it says, Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the, ho- for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. Now, just just pause there. Um, verse 21 here, speaking of Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision, speaking of Daniel 8. Okay. This is the connection with Daniel chapter 8. This is Gabriel the first time comes, we've seen the word vision since Daniel 8. Right, since Daniel 8. And it's Gabriel who gives Daniel the interpretation of that vision in Daniel 8. So that's the connection. Absolutely. And so this, this should not be overlooked. If I was to ask the listening audience, how many times do you think we see the angel Gabriel in the Old Testament, which is three quarters of the Bible. How many times? We only see Gabriel twice in the entire Old Testament. There's Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. That element alone connects these two chapters, mm. right? And then, of course, the first thing he's referring to is the man I had seen, Gabriel. I saw him in the vision before. That's right. And that has to reference Daniel chapter 8. So he's actually, uh, Gabriel turns up. Daniel's saying, hey, I'm seeing Gabriel. He's the guy, he's the man that I saw in the vision before. Okay, so you continue reading from about, uh, yeah, well, from, from there. Um, I, had, I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly reached me about the time of the evening offering, which is about three in the afternoon. Now, do you want to read verse 22 and 23? All right, 22, 23. And he, that is Gabriel, informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, that's his prayer, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Wow. Before we go anywhere else on this, somebody put together a piece uh, a little while back, how fast can angels fly? (laughs) And so, because it's saying that, when you, Daniel, began to pray, if you read that prayer, it takes about 10 minutes or less less than 10 minutes oh. to, to read, right? But it says, when you began to pray, the command went out and I was sent 
from the throne of God, you imagine, all the way to where Daniel is. Now, we don't know where the throne of God is, but some have said maybe it's through uh, the constellation Orion. And Orion is a very great distance away. and it's, it's, it's Essentially, the angel is traveling at billions of miles an hour to get to Daniel. It says he was caused to fly swiftly. I guess that's swift. But we're going to find out what he has to say in a few moments. Absolutely. So we're finishing off with Understand the Vision. When we come back after this song from Randy Travis, the carpenter, we are going to unpack this vision and what it means. So sit back and enjoy. He was just a carpenter by trade He learned from his father at a very early age There was something special in the man There was much more to his life Than just working with his hands And he'd say There's no home I could design That would match the one you'd find When you leave this world behind You'll only take the time To love your neighbor like your brother Treat your brother like a friend Always turn the other cheek Help the weary and the weak Make the time for young and old And as your life unfolds Each kindness that you've shown Will be the nails and hammers As you build your final ladder In the manner of the carpenter You could feel compassion in his eyes but only fools that hurt him did not realize That he was speaking to us all Righteous and the mighty, silent and small You'd say There's no home I could design that would match the one you'll find When you leave this world behind If you'll only take the time Love your neighbor like your brother Treat your brother like a friend Always turn the other cheek Help the weary and the weak Make the time for young and old And as your life unfolds Each kindness that you've shown Will be the nails and hammers As you build your final ladder In the manner of the carpenter of old Just a carpenter by trade He learned from his father At a very early age Welcome back to Looking Up You are with Peter and Danny And we are about to unpack this 
this incredible Bible prophecy here in Daniel chapter 9. Now, Peter, before we went to that beautiful piece of music, um, we we're on the verge of plunging into the prophecy itself yep. uh, that is found in Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27. Now, over the next couple of segments, we're going to unpack these um, four verses. We're going to unpack them basically phrase by phrase and seek to discover who this prophecy is speaking of. So Daniel 9 and verse 24. Do you want to read that for us, Peter? Yeah, so we'll take this one verse at a time and unpack yep, it. one verse at a time. So here's Daniel 9, 24. This is in response now. Gabriel says, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision in 23. Here we are, 9, 24. He says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. And I probably want to just pause there uh, to begin with and say, got a time period here are determined for your people and for your holy city so who would your people be if we're thinking of daniel who are daniel's people that well, would that'd be, be the, the jewish people that'd be the jewish people he's, israel he's a jew that's right he's the he got you know the old testament people they're determined for your people and your holy city what the holy city be that would be jerusalem, jerusalem. all right so now 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your Holy Spirit uh, city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Thank you for that. Okay, so there's, so there's a lot in there. The first thing we want, to, we want to nail down is that God is now giving to Daniel and his people 70 weeks, and uh, we shared before the break that a day in the Bible represents a year. So 70 weeks, 70 times 7 is 490. And so God is saying 490 more years have been given to the nation of Israel as my ambassadors and for the nation of Israel to make uh, a decision hmm. as to whether they will seek to be my ambassadors or not. Because we've got to remember, the reason why... Israel, well, the reason why yeah. Judah, I should say Judah, Jerusalem in particular, the reason why they are in captivity is because they have apostatized. They have yeah. walked away from God, uh, away from the covenant, and God allowed the Babylonians to come into Jerusalem. They were there captive for 70 years, and now the time is up, and God is giving them 490 years. Now, that's a significant number, 490. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus talked about 490. Do you want to just unpack that for us? Yeah, sure. So um, in Matthew chapter 18, and uh, I think it's verse 21. Yeah, it is. It begins in verse 21. Yeah, so there's a little story here where Peter says uh, to Jesus, how, long, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter's thinking, I'm going to be generous here and say, Seven times? Would, would that be enough? You know, if people are sinning, if somebody is sinning against me, how often should I forgive them? Seven times? And that was because the Jews believe, believed at the time that three was, was enough. Uh, and it probably comes from Amos where it says for three transgressions and for four. Hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe they felt, well, three strikes and you're out. You sin against me, I forgive you. You sin against me again, I forgive you. No. And so Peter's been over generous when He's he says doubled it and added seven. One. Perfect you know, number. Should I forgive my brother seven times? <laughs> and Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which is significant because this period that we're looking at in the book of Daniel, 70 weeks, 70 times seven, 
That was the period of probation for the Jewish people. In other words, the Jews were God's special people. As you mentioned, Danny, they were ambassadors to take God's good news to the whole world. That was their plan. Unfortunately, they misunderstood their plan and they either became exclusive, which they were at the time of Jesus, or they just became like all the other nations and failed to reflect God's character. And so that's how they ended up in Babylon. So here we've got 70 times 7, which basically indicates that God forgives until probation closes. Mm, that's a very important point. Yeah. And so, so, so there is a probation yeah. to human beings, to individuals, yeah. and there's also a probation to nations. Yeah. And here we're dealing with the probation of the nation of Israel as God's chosen ambassadors. So yeah. let's so let's be clear. It's not as if, and there are some that have mistakenly come to the conclusion that that after 490 years, no longer does God have any interest or care for for those who are of Israelite descent. Sure. It's not saying that at all. Further, no. it couldn't be further from the truth because the gospel is to go to the whole world. That's right. And the Jewish every people, every nation, every kingdom, nation, tribe, exactly. People. So, but this is speaking of those that um, were chosen by God there at Mount Sinai. To be God's end time, or to be God's ambassadors to what the I nations. Like to say, what I like to say, Danny, is that the uh, the Jewish people were God's flag bearers mm. up until the the time of the the creation of the church after the cross, the birth of the church, the disciples going out to to witness. We're going to actually see that in time. But obviously, today. God's flag bearers are his church. That's right. Um, Otherwise, why don't we just all join the Jewish faith, right? right. Uh, They were God's flag bearers, but then that flag, the baton, if you like, passed from the Jewish nation to the Christian church. And they are the Israel of God or Abraham's seed, as as Paul refers to it. Important to understand that. Now, it's interesting here because it points out what the Messiah will do. Yeah. Uh, The Messiah will, as you rightly read, he will finish the transgression to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, this can only be speaking of one, uh, well, Peter. It's not you and me who's going no, to bring in no, everlasting. Only no. God can do that. This right? is only God through Jesus That's Christ. Right. So this is speaking of the Messiah. It's speaking of Jesus Christ. And we know that mm. because of that next phrase, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the Messiah. The Messiah, or the Most Holy, to the, anoint the Most Holy, yeah. which is a reference for Jesus. So that's so that's what we're looking at. Now, the next question is, when would the 490 years begin? Okay, now we need to go to verse 25 for that. So do you want to read the yep. first part of verse 25, please? For sure. Daniel 9, 25, and he, goes, uh, he carries on. This is Gabriel, remember, giving the message. He says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem... Until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. Here you have a starting point from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is in ruins at this moment when, when Gabriel is giving the, uh, the message to Daniel. Daniel's in Babylon. He's been praying about Jerusalem because it is in ruins. And what Gabriel is saying from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, I just want to pause here, Danny, for a minute and say, going back to this overall 70 weeks, right? If if people have a pen and paper, maybe they want to draw this out. You know, you put a line at the top that represents your 70 weeks. Let's suppose just for a moment that the 70 weeks was literal. Okay. 
How many weeks do we have in a typical year right now? 52. 52 weeks, right? So 52 weeks, that'd be a year. So 70 weeks would be less than a year and a half. That's right. Right, less than a year and a half. So either this prophecy is saying, uh, and this is given, you know, we're talking 500s BC, right? Somewhere 500 plus BC that this message is given to Daniel. 70 weeks, and then you've got, they're going to be seven weeks and 62 weeks till the Messiah, the Prince. Well, that's like a year and a half if you're going to take that time period literally. Was there, did, did the Messiah come back in the 500 BCs, or did he in actual fact come after that period of seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is, you know, in terms of years, 483 years? That's right. So... The prophecy itself, when we understand it, it's almost self-evident that this must be symbolic of a day for a year in prophecy. Incidentally, one other item that I always like to feed in here. In 9.24, Daniel 9.24, it says 70 weeks are determined or cut off for your people. That phrase, 70 weeks, was interpreted by the Jews in the uh, Septuagint as 70 weeks of years. In so other that's words, the Greek version of the, the Old Greek, Testament. The Greek version of the Old Testament. In other words, the Jews themselves, before Jesus came, understood this phrase to mean 70 weeks of years. Absolutely. And um, so it's speaking of a decree. Now, it's important to note that there were four decrees given regarding Jerusalem. And so which one of these four is the decree that we are specifically looking at? Well, let me just unpack that for you real quick. The first decree was given by Cyrus in 538 BC and it allowed the Jews to rebuild Jerusalem but it did not give Jerusalem back to the nation in order for them to serve uh, in order for this city to serve as its national capital. Now the second decree was given by Darius the 1st in 520 BC and this simply confirmed the first Cyrus's decree. But so here, you've got you've got the temple and then the city. That's right. The temple and the city. So then we have the third degree. The third decree, I should say, given by Artaxerxes I, and that was given in 457 BC. Now, why this is significant, and this is the decree that we're after, is that for the first time, it granted autonomy to Judah, and, and it enabled them to rebuild the city with that autonomy. So that was 457 BC, and you have that date also in the book of Ezra. If you go to Ezra chapter 7 and verse 7, there you'll discover the seventh year of King Artaxerxes, which is 457 BC. Now, there was another one given. Um, Can I, maybe I might just read that, Danny. Yeah. If we look at Ezra 7, 7 and 7, 13, you have the decree from Artaxerxes. It says, I issue a decree. It certainly sounds like a decree. Mm. It says, I issue a decree that all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. And he that's sends right. them with Ezra. So that's the decree. And in case you're wondering, the fourth decree that was um, given was in 445, and that was given by Artaxerxes, and that was simply to confirm the third decree that we've looked at, which was 457 BC, the seventh year. So we have a starting date, Peter. So we, it's, this, it's this decree of Artaxerxes that we're focused on. And uh, that, yes, that's the starting point. And we, it says, From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Again, we're applying that day for a year principle. And if, by the way, if you add seven weeks and 62, it comes to... 69. 69. So 
Of this 70-week prophecy, we've, we're dealing here with 69 of them, seven weeks and 62 weeks. Incidentally, the seven weeks, which would amount to 79, uh, sorry, 49 years, seven sevens, seven uh, times seven, that's 49 years. That would be the period for the rebuilding of to Jerusalem. To restore and build Jerusalem. To restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And then you have another additional 62 weeks or 62 times 7, which would bring us all the way from 457 BC to, well, 27 AD is actually where it brings us to in time. Now, you may be thinking, well... I've just done the maths, if you're really good at maths, yeah. and you've come to 26 AD, yeah. and you may be thinking, well, where did, where did you guys get 27? And the reason is because there's no year zero, That's right. so you go from 1 BC to 1 AD, and because there's no year zero, we need to add one year, Correct. and so that's how we end up at 27, at 27 AD. AD. That's I always say to people, guess what happened in year zero? Nothing. Zero happened in year zero. <laughs> so you can look up in the history books and find out what happened on year zero. There is nothing. There is nothing. Now, just an interesting point. This is from Sir Isaac Newton. Now, Ooh. Sir Isaac Newton, um, many people may not know, but he was a keen student of Bible prophecy. Quite a significant and, scientist, but also a Bible student. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody knows about his science yeah. endeavors, but not many people know that he was uh, a very serious Bible uh, student of prophecy. Now, he, he made this statement, and I just want to read it to you. The years of Artaxerxes' reign are among the most easily established dates of history. The canon of Ptolemy, the Greek Olympiads, and allusions in Greek history to Persian affairs all combine to place the seventh year of Artaxerxes at 457 BC. Okay. So this is a statement from Sir Isaac Newton. So this has been um, on this for centuries. That's the been. point. That's the it point has we're been. making. It has been. Now, once again, who is at the heart of this prophecy? Um, well and truly, it's Christ. The Messiah. It's the Messiah, the one, the one who is the one who is anointed. Now we're about to go to another break, but the Bible says that Jesus was anointed at his baptism. And we can go mm. to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, where, where Luke writes, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And so that took place at the baptism of Jesus when the dove came down upon him and the voice from heaven was heard from his heavenly father. This mm. is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus was anointed. He began his earthly ministry at his baptism. Yeah, and that was. we're going to look at that after this next break to see that that was 27 AD. How do we know it was 27 AD? We're going to look at that at the next break. We're going to look at that, and this time we're going to go to the book of Matthew. So go there as we are listening to the Lesser Light Collective in the midst of the week. saw a work of evil 2300 years then it would end wicked the little horn who reigns a season then the sanctuary would be cleansed all of God's children wait even prophets Daniel 13 years seeking the Lord given the starting date now we plot it, finding Messiah Prince at its core. In the midst of the week, can be sacrifice through a sacrifice and mercy, bearing our justice. In the midst of the week, ending offering 
Offering up his life in the midst Trusted Seventy years decreed for God's nation And the end of week for the prince Then in the midst cut off desolation We have found his love ever since In the midst of the Sacrifice and mercy bearing our justice in the midst of the weak ending offering, offering up his life in the midst. Trust it, we can trust it, we can trust it, trust the word of Trust it because Jesus is in the middle of the 2300 days, the 70th week begins. In the same year, Messiah the Prince came. Messiah means anointed one. Jesus was anointed at baptism. 27 AD, then three and a half years later, nailed to a tree. See, in the midst of the week, 31 AD, he bled for me. Then came the week's termination. 34 AD ended the decree. Then when we track it backwards, 70 weeks, we get 457 BC. Beginning of the 2300. Since he's in the middle, we trust him. In the midst of the weak and he sacrificed Through his sacrifice and mercy Bearing our justice In the midst of the weak ending offering Offering up his life in the midst Trusted In the midst of the weak ending sacrifice Through his sacrifice and mercy in the midst of the week, ending offering, offering up his life in the midst, trusting. Welcome back to Looking Up. You're with Danny and Peter this afternoon, and we are going through this incredible prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 that pinpoints and identifies Jesus Christ as the Messiah, when he would begin his ministry, um, how long his uh, people, the, the Jewish nation, would have as a second opportunity to continue to be his ambassadors. And um, so that's where we are. So we're looking at we're looking at this phrase of the anointing of the Messiah. We've been taking a look at when the Messiah would be anointed, and we've discovered that the decree... Uh, that would begin this prophecy was the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign, which was 457 BC. Now, we go 69 weeks forward, 483 years, and we come to 27 AD. Now, how do we know that is 27 AD? There is a scripture in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read just the first part of Luke chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. It's a really fascinating um uh, passage here because it gives all these historical names mm. and details. Yep. And um, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Utere, and the region of Traconitus, and so on and so forth, it goes through and it speaks of 
the word of God coming to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he goes forth and he preaches, um, repent and be baptized. Now, it mentions here the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Mm. Now, what year was that? All right. So first of all, you've got seven different rulers here. Okay, so it's it's putting a lot of Luke, who's writing this um, message here in Luke chapter three. He's putting a lot of historical detail in there. Okay, on purpose. So, for instance, if I was to say to people, I'm thinking of a year, and it's the year when George Bush is president of the United States, John Howard is prime minister of Australia, Tony Blair is prime minister of Great Britain. The, the more details I add, the narrower mm. the field becomes. And so what you've got is seven different rulers here, the most notable of which is Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar came to power in 14 AD, uh, 18th of September, 14 AD, he became emperor. And people might be thinking, well, hang on, it says here the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. So how do you get... 14 AD, 15th year, add 15. Well, that takes to 29 mm. AD. How? Hang on. So let's break that down. First of all, it says the 15th year. It doesn't say after 15 years. That's right. In other words, however old you are now, so let's say I was 20 years of age, but I'd actually be in my 21st year, mm -hmm. right? If I was 14 right now, I'd be in my 15th year. That's right. All right, so it's the 15th year. So he's been reigning 14 years, and he comes to power in September 14 AD. So how come it's 27 AD that we get rather than 28? And that's largely because there is a difference between the Roman calendar and the Jewish calendar. And the Jewish calendar had two actual starting points. They used to have a religious year that started in the spring around March, April, uh, and they would have a sort of seven-month... That's with the Passover. That's with the Passover, starts, starts with that. And then they would have a civil year that began six months later. And so what you have is Tiberius Caesar comes into power 18th of September in 14 AD. And the Jews, in their reckoning of time, they would say, okay, that's the first year of his reign. But a month later, the Jewish civil calendar is clicked over another year. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the second year of Tiberius Caesar. And when you put that into context... By the time you come to the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar, it is 27 AD. Okay, so that's a very short summary. Very succinct. And, um, and that's wonderful. And it's interesting because when Jesus was baptized, you can read about it in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. We won't take the time to read the whole uh, passage there. But Jesus came up and he began preaching, the time is fulfilled. Mm. The time is fulfilled. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, um, Jesus there once again, he says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, uh -huh. using that very specific yeah. language that we have here in Daniel chapter 9. And he goes and he speaks about his ministry. And then in verse 21, he says, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Mm. I am the anointed one. I am the one that Daniel spoke of in Daniel chapter 9. So very clear links between what Jesus here is sharing Luke in his very first sermon in Nazareth. And they knew what he was talking about. Sure. They knew what he's talking about because as you read the rest of the chapter, they, after potluck lunch, I'm not sure if they had potluck lunch, but they go and they take Jesus to a cliff and they are ready to throw him off the cliff because he's claiming to be the Messiah. That's right. 
But the Bible says Jesus, you know, um, passed, through. passed through them miraculously. Obviously, mm. he's starting his ministry. It was not time. So um, so, so this is really got, fascinating. If the listeners at home have got a sheet of paper, like I said, you put out a line at the top of the 70 weeks, and then it says, know therefore that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there'll be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Then, So they go back to the start of that yeah. 70 weeks. You've got seven, 62 there's one left over. That's okay? right. There's one week left. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But it says here in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 26, okay, it says, After the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. All right, let's pause there for a minute. So it's telling us that the Messiah is going to be cut off sometime after that 27 That eight, word cut off means killed. It does, because we can compare that with a passage in Isaiah that is also a messianic prophecy. Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, verse 8, it says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off Mm, from the land of the living. If you're cut off from the land of the living, that means you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's talking about the fact that Jesus died. So this is sometime... During that final it's week. After that it's 27 after that, AD. After 27 AD. So we're not told exactly when right now, but as we keep reading, we discover when that is. Mm. So do you want to, um, well, he's cut off. After do you the want me to read the rest of 26? Well, it says, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Yeah. Um, and well, then that, that's I, worth, I think if, that's worth pausing at, Danny, where it says not for himself. Jesus did not die for his own uh, motives, motivations. He died for us. And he didn't die for his own sins. That's right. That's true. He didn't die for his own sin. He died for your sins and mine. So that's significant. The Messiah should be cut off. That is that he would die, but not for himself. He okay. died for others. Now the question is, when would he be cut off? And we right. have the answer to that in verse 27. So if you read uh, that first half of verse 27, we have the answer there of when the Messiah would be cut off. Mm. Well, in chapter 9, verse 27, it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now, who is the he here? This is obviously the Messiah, once again. And the reason we say that is, of course, many may remember that at the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, This is my blood of the new covenant. He made a covenant in his blood. And so it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. This is his final week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So if you imagine you've got the seven weeks, the 62 weeks, you've got this final week left. And it says in the midst of that week or three and a half years after his baptism, it says he will bring an end in the middle of the week. He will bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Why? Because three and a half years after Jesus' baptism, He went to the cross. He was the sacrifice. He brought an end to offerings because all of the animal sacrifices and offerings that were made were all pointing to the Messiah. And once Jesus comes as the Messiah and dies as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there is now no more need for animal sacrifices because they were a lesson to point us to what the Messiah would do as the Lamb of God. And it's interesting that Jesus died on a very specific day. 
Yeah. The Bible says that Jesus desi- Jesus died on Passover Friday. Yeah. He was the Passover, Passover lamb. Passover lamb. So, and it's and it's fascinating that the Bible actually tells us at what time Jesus died. Yeah. It says in Luke chapter 23 verses 44, 45 and 46 there Luke records once again it's the same Luke that that recorded the history of of the 15th year yeah. of Tiberius Caesar. He says at about the 6th hour um, there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Mm-hmm. So the sixth hour is midday. The ninth hour is three in the afternoon, 3 p.m. And it's interesting that at 3 p.m., that is when Jesus died, according to the Gospels. And at that very time, mm. the Bible says the sun was darkened, and I'm reading from Luke 23, 45, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Yes. And so you have the high priest According to what Josephus writes yes. in, 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 his, in his historical account, he says the high priest, he had the knife in his hand about to slay the Passover lamb at three in the afternoon, which was the yeah. time of the evening sacrifice. And he saw the temple curtain separating the holy from the most holy place torn from top to bottom. Mm. So this is speaking of a, a, supernatural super, event. a supernatural event and that curtain was about four inches thick sure. um, of material and so no human being could do it from yeah. top to bottom because we're talking about I think 30 feet or more sure. um, in the temple. And so he cried out Ichabod, Ichabod according to what mm. Josephus writes which is you know the glory of God has departed. Yeah, And, and so, so the- the tearing of that curtain indicated the end of the sacrificial system in on, on earth because Jesus had be, you know, been that sacrifice. I just want to come, Danny, to the next three and a half years because some will be mm. thinking, well, he'll confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the midst of the week he brings a man to sacrifice an offering. We know that Jesus died. He did rise again the third day. He then met with his disciples over a period of some 40 days, and then he ascends to heaven. What happens for the other three and a half years, you see? And if we go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it's interesting because you have the other three and a half years. Mm, okay, read sense, that. That's wonderful. Because we, it, this, this then brings us to the completion of the 70 weeks. Mm. So Jesus preaches the gospel for three and a half years, then goes to the cross. And then it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verse 3, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. In other words, where it says he will confirm a covenant with many for one week, Jesus preaches and teaches and ministers for three and a half years. Then he goes to the cross. Eventually he ascends to heaven. But then it says it was confirmed to us by those who heard him, the disciples. So for another three and a half years, they minister primarily to the Jews. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter is preaching, he's preaching to Jews. It says 3,000 got baptized. A little later, it says 5,000 were baptized. It says many of the priests and uh, the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees believed. Okay, so these are Jewish people. And it's only at the end of that a 70-week period, or around 34 AD, where we have the stoning of Stephen, the rejection of the, the, uh, of the Jewish leadership, rejecting the message of Jesus, and who is witnessing the stoning of Stephen? Saul. But Saul of who Tarsus. Who becomes Paul, yeah. Who becomes Paul, and he himself describes himself as the apostle to the Gentiles, mm. the non-Jews. Mm. And so we can see clearly that we have this transition from 
the baton, if you like, being passed from the Jewish people as the flag bearers for God, being passed to the Christian church now. And if I could just add to what you've just shared, Peter, in Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6, Jesus said to his disciples, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus made that very clear. And in Matthew 21, verse 43, uh, Jesus warned, The religious leaders, he said, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it, which are the Gentiles. And so Jesus made this very clear. And so that three and a half year period from the sacrifice of Christ and from his ascension all the way through to the stoning of Stephen was to be that final three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, and this this makes sense of the 70-week prophecy, right? It, it's all put together. You've got seven weeks, and 69, uh, 62 weeks, and the one week. That makes the 70 weeks. It keeps it all together, and it makes sense of the prophecy. And so what you have, to me, Danny, when I first learned about this, I was just jumping up and down because I was amazed at the accuracy of Bible prophecy mm. in predicting Jesus' ministry, the events of his ministry, the fact that he would be the sacrifice in the midst of the week, and uh, yeah, it's an amazing prophecy and one of my favorites in the Bible. Absolutely. So that's where we are. There is just a tiny little bit left of this prophecy that we want to take a look at. And we'll be doing that after, after, the news. Uh, after this bit of music and the news. And then we're going to wrap up this prophecy and we're going to deal with the questions that have come through. So this bit of music is Avalon El Shaddai. So sit back and enjoy. And after the news, we'll be back for our final section. What Messiah ought to be Though your 
Welcome back to Looking Up. You're with Danny and Peter, and we are in the in the final stretch of our Bible study this afternoon on Daniel chapter nine. This incredible prophecy that outlines uh, the the beginning of Jesus Christ and his ministry, his death, and all the way through to the end of that seventy week prophecy, which is that time period that has been allocated or determined um, for the Jews as God's chosen ambassadors. And so now, Peter, we're at this last uh, section here where we want to um, take a look at this very important principle of uh, repeat and enlarge. And um, and then after that, we're going to deal with that question that came through earlier yeah, on today. We don't want to forget that. No, we won't be forgetting that. And we're going to be talking about why there is a different understanding to what you and I are sharing this afternoon. There may be some folk out there that are, are, are very confused because they have heard something very different regarding this final week in Daniel chapter 9, the 70th week. And they... Um, don't or they haven't been taught or understood that this means that this prophecy is regarding Messiah the Prince. They have a different interpretation. So we're going to look at that and as we go along. But let's start off with Daniel 9 verse 25 and take a look at this repeat and enlarge principle mm. where the Messiah um, is in contrast with Jerusalem mm. and the fate of Jerusalem. So mm. we're going to start off with um, yeah halfway through Daniel 9.25. Peter, you begin, you read the sections on the Messiah and I'll read the oh, sections. I'm doing in Jerusalem. Ref- Oh, you're doing Jerusalem, yeah, I'm doing Messiah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm going to give you Messiah. That's the best bit. Okay, all right. So um, so, so listen, listen very carefully. We're going to be contrasting the Messiah with Jerusalem. Okay, in all the way verses. in these verses, yeah. all the way from middle of verse 25 to the end of verse 27 to the end of the passage. Okay. Right, so I'm going to start. So if you have your Bible, you might want to follow through. And I'm going to read the parts to do with Jerusalem. Danny's going to read the parts of the Messiah. We're reading from Daniel 9, 25 onwards. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. That was my bit. Oh, that was your bit. Oh, okay. The street and the walls. That's not the Messiah. No, it's not. That's Jerusalem. The street and the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. Okay, now back to the Messiah. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Okay. 
and the people of the prince who is to come, by the way, that's the pagan Roman Empire, uh, the prince, people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and that's what they did. In uh, 70 the, AD. In 70 AD. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. Okay, now back to the Messiah, verse 27. Then he, that is the Messiah, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, which we've looked at. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Now back to yeah, now back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So you really have a contrast here between what's happening with the Messiah and what's happening with Jerusalem. And uh, if we understand that, and this is um, poetic parallelism, and you see a lot of in the Bible where it talks about one idea, say, let's say, idea A, then it talks about idea B, and then it goes back to idea A and back to idea B, back to idea A, a few more details, then back to idea B, a few more details. And so it does this regularly throughout the Old Testament particularly, and it's a way of uh, writing that the Hebrews were very familiar with. And we've discovered that also in the New Testament, in Matthew 24 in particular, this, this idea of repeat and enlarge. Um, and it's, and it's yeah, especially in the Old Testament. So if I could just sum up those scriptures that we've read from verse 25 to 27, the Messiah is rejected. That's the sad reality of what we find down of what we find here in this prophet. The Messiah is rejected by the nation of Israel as as the as the chosen ambassadors of God. So we're not talking about individual salvation. We're talking about as the nation of Israel, mm. and then the Christian Church becomes the ambassadors the for Christ, Israel. the new Israel, and everyone, as 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 Paul said, Paul you know, there is neither Jew nor Greek, but all are one mm. in Christ Jesus. And so we have the Messiah rejected, and Jerusalem is destroyed and its temple. Mm. That's simply what that's saying, and that's exactly what took place. Yeah. So one of the reasons we uh, wanted to look at this. Apart from the wonderful fact that it identifies so positively Jesus as Messiah, is it provides this prophecy also provides the beginning, uh, the, the starting point for the 2300 day prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. So if we go back to Daniel 9.24 at this point, I just want to pick up something here, Danny. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon your people. We've read this before. Okay, I just want to focus in on that word determined in English because in the Hebrew, it is the, uh, the Hebrew word that I'm going to slaughter now called katak. And it's a, it says here in the uh, concordance, it says, Strong's Concordance, a primitive root properly to cut off. And there are some English translations that translate it that way. In other words, 70 weeks are cut off for your people. Well, cut off from what? And if you think about it, it's Gabriel that has come to talk to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. The first thing he references is the former vision. He's wanting to give Daniel understanding. Uh, he's talking about time. And then he tells him that 70 weeks are cut off. Cut off from what? Well, cut off from that larger period of time, the 2,300 days. In other words... The decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, 457 BC, the decree of Artaxerxes, that 457 BC not only is the beginning point for Daniel chapter 9 and the 70 weeks, it is also the beginning point for the 2,300 days. And that makes perfect sense because we'd already seen 
The question was asked before the 2,300 mm. days was revealed, how long will the vision be? That's right. And that vision began at the time of the Medes and the Persians. So... Artaxerxes, was he one of the kings of the Medes of the Persians? Yes, Indeed he, was. he was. You and I have actually visited his tomb, Danny, in and Persia. his palace. In, in, in Iran, modern-day yeah, Iran. and his palace in um, Persepolis. Yes. We've been there too. So uh, Artaxerxes, 457 BC, that's the beginning point for the 2,300 days and for the 70 weeks. And if that is correct, what that means is that from 457 BC... You come forward the 2,300 days and it brings us to 1,844. That's right. Which is interesting because we had said before when we looked at will justice be done, when we looked at the judgment, when we looked at the timing of that, we found that it came after 1798, the year of papal supremacy, but before the second coming. Mm. And obviously 1,844 is uh, right in that period. Is right in that period. And so it fits the prophecy it fits the other prophecies we've looked at so far. And that's the importance of, I guess, working this out from the perspective of the first angel's message, which says the hour of his judgment has come. In other words, it has a time period associated with the announcement of the judgment, and it fits perfectly with eight hundred. Thanks so much for that, Peter. So that's, a, so that's a good summary of that. And if you want to know a little bit more about the 2,300-year prophecy and the sanctuary, you'll need to go back a couple of episodes, not last week, the week before, where we looked at the sanctuary and that in particular. Now, we want to get to this question, Peter, because this is a yeah. really important question. Let's do it. Um, the question was from Matthew uh, chapter 24, and uh, verse 34, Matthew chapter 24, verse 34. Would you 34, like me to read that, Dan? If you could. All right. Matthew chapter 24, verse 34. Here's the verse. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Okay. That's a, that's a great question. Um, so what's the question? Okay. The question was, doesn't this passage here in Matthew 24, verse 34, uh, describe, suggest. suggest that the signs of Jesus that he gave would be fulfilled in that generation? Right. Okay. So up until, I guess, 70 AD, because yeah. a generation in the Bible about is about years. 40 years. So, And we've, we've established that, and, and his, it's a historical fact, that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD yeah. by, by Titus. Mm -hmm. And so... And so the question is, how can we look at these signs in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, and also speak of them at the end of time, which mm -hmm. we have? And yep. so this question came right at the beginning when we were talking yep. about the signs of the times. Now, when Jesus talks about the signs of the times, we don't have time to unpack all of Matthew 24. But here in Matthew 24, uh, just a real brief summary, Jesus was asked by the disciples when, when Jesus said that you're not going to see one stone uh, upon another, but all these stones, all this this temple that you see is going to be just thrown down. And the disciples believed that this was the coming of Jesus. Yep. And so they asked, when will this be and what will be the sign of your coming? So what Jesus does in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, they're parallel chapters. What he does is he combines these two events. He combines the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD with the signs of the end. Okay, so what happened in Jerusalem? on a local level, will take place around the world on a global level. Right. That's probably the best way I Repeat can put it. Repeat and enlarge. Repeat and enlarge, once again, that principle. Those so principles. that's about as succinct as I can bring it. Mm -hmm. Now, that, the question is, now I want to... Well, I was just going to do a parallel verse. Yes. 
So there's another story in Matthew 16, 27. I'm going to read 27 and 28. And it says, For the Son of Man, Jesus' words here, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And people read that and they say, well, it must have all happened. Uh, either those people are still alive or it must have happened before they died. How can, they, how can some standing here not taste death till they see the glory of the Son of Man coming in his glory? And the, the answer to that is in the next passage. The very next verse is Matthew 17, verse 1. Now, on, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John. That was some of those standing there. He took them up and led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. And effectively, they saw a vision. They saw with their eyes a vision, a mini vision of the second coming of Jesus being transfigured on the mountain. Mm. And that's what he meant by that passage. So we have to be careful about how we understand what Jesus is teaching, because clearly uh, not everything happened 2,000 years ago, and then we've got nothing in between. Exactly. Uh, God has been active through his people, through his church, all the way through history. Okay, and there's a lot more to that, but that's just a summary, because I do want to get to uh, a question, hasn't come through, but it's an important question that we need to answer, and that is Daniel chapter 9, and in particular this last week, many Christians today believe is a reference to the Antichrist, is a mm. reference to when Jerusalem, um, will be uh, sorry. The temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt, and um, and the temple services the will Antichrist be reestablished. Will be the Antichrist will arise. He'll make a covenant um, with the Jewish nation for for during that week, in the midst of that week. And so, instead of Jesus Christ being the, the anointed one, it's the Antichrist. Now, the enemy has done a, a, an incredible work of of bringing deception. Now, just a real summary. This is not what. Uh, the reformers believed mm. this is something very new and it comes through on the on the back of the counter reformation mm. so we the know late, about the re- late 1500s that's early right 1600s. so we've got the reformation with martin luther in particular now the church of rome countered that reformation with the Counter-Reformation, as it's become known. And so you have two views, two new prophetic views that were established at that time. One was called Preterism, which is which is taking the prophecies that apply to the Antichrist back in the past. Yep. And the other one is Futurism, which is taking the prophecies into the future. So one was by Alcazar. He mm-hmm. was preterism. The other one was by Ribera. And these two were both Catholic priests, both, Catholic priests, both Jesuits or the Society of Jesus. And so what, what Christians today by and large believe regarding this is not what was taught. But sadly, this does not add up with Scripture. If you have... Um, if you have more questions, please text us or let us know, and we're happy to get in touch with you and unpack this some more. Now, that's about all to- all we've got time for today, Peter. We've really it's gone real quick. It's gone real quick. We've we've got just uh, we'll come a wrap back up. after this break. We've come back after the break. We've got a giveaway as always, and um, and then we'll we'll farewell you. So sit back and enjoy this beautiful bit of music by Grayson Reed. Fuck. I know how to push your buttons I know what to say to break you down I know how to give you nothing I know how to turn and shut you out We are everything but perfect We both have a million flaws And there are days that I want to give up But I won't 
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that piece of music. You're with Danny and Peter, and we are in the final 10 meters of our of our dash <laughs> the for this afternoon. The, the final, final sprint. sprint. So I just want to really thank you for for joining us. It's been wonderful. And um, if you are interested in connecting with some of our previous podcasts, all the way from the very beginning, just a reminder: go to faithfm.com.au, looking up, and you will find them all there. Now, Peter, before we go to our giveaway, what's on the menu for next week? Yeah, okay. So we had been looking at these three significant messages in the heart of the book of Revelation called the three angels' messages. You find them in Revelation 14, verses 6 through 12. We've been looking at the first angel's message, and today we were just uh, finding out this phrase, the hour of his judgment has come. When does that actually begin? And we started to put some of that together. We're going to finish off that first angel's message, which says, Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of waters. Then there are two further messages 
that are given to the whole world just before Jesus returns. And so that's what we're going to unpack. Thank you so much for that. So that's where we're going next week. So I pray that you will um, continue to tune in. Now the gift for today, Peter, the is? The giveaway is the book, The Great Controversy. If you want to ring in for that book, it is 1-800-324-843. So that's our giveaway for today. Now, I hope and pray that you have really enjoyed and been blessed on looking up this afternoon. We have been truly blessed to hang out with you. And I pray that as you keep looking up, stay close to Jesus, keep close to Him, and know that soon He is coming to take us all back home. God bless and bye for now. Keep looking up, don't give up. Don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up. Should the tears begin to start? With a prayer, all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea. I know His love is there for me We make our plans And still it's God who directs our ways He knows each step I make He knows each breath I take it's in our darkest hour We find our greatest need He knows what's best for you and me Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up When there's pain deep in your heart Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast Into the depths of the sea His love is always there for me Every trial we face, precious lessons we can learn. My faith grows stronger and His plan for me more clear. His hand cuts diamonds from all we see as simple stones. Learn to place my trust in Him. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start.
depths of the sea His love is always there for me Ooh, His love is always there for me 